0: That's right, that's right. We sang the hymn, Brother Andy called it out this morning. It says, Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. You know, the lady who wrote that, Brother Daniel, was Fanny Crosby, who was blind, I believe from birth. She wrote, Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me, help me walk from day to day with its shadows o'er me. My father has long exhorted us to live under the shadow of the cross. I hope we were able to do that in just a, a small way last night, as we were reminded of that precious that that priceless, precious gift of faith, the gift um, of being able to see Jesus Christ with a spiritual eye, of being able to see Jesus Christ as excellent, uh, to being able to see Jesus Christ as as dear to us. And we know that's a free gift, a gift that you could never earn on your own, but it was not a free uh, gift. It came at a dear cost. It came at the cost of our precious Savior suffering willingly suffering uh, death by crucifixion, uh, willingly suffering the wrath of the Father, the holy, the just wrath of the Father for our sins, And, and seeing that because of that, you, believer in Jesus Christ, have this precious gift. Not only that, you've been equipped with everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, that he's given you his spirit in you, he's given you and I his word, which is a more sure word of prophecy than even that amazing divine experience that Peter and James and John had on the Mount of Transfiguration, and that he has made you, believer in Jesus Christ, a partaker of his divine nature, that that he changes our affections, that we love what Christ loves and, and hate what Christ hates. That we are a repenting people. Are we perfect? By no means. We still have that dead corpse hanging on our back, uh, like, like I talked about last night. Uh, but we are a repenting people. We are a people who have been changed, and it's because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So I pray that those scenes of the cross will, will linger in our eyes in our minds and in our hearts. Last night we titled it Peter's Encouragement. And it was the encouragement what I just, just got through describing. Well today it is Peter's exhortation. Peter's exhortation. Remember, this is Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and you'll remember that Peter uh, his his whole goal, his whole purpose of writing this letter probably in, uh, in, in prison right now under Nero's hand and probably only going to live about one or two years longer before he will be crucified, most likely upside down by choice. But his whole purpose of writing this letter to these believers is to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, to wake you up, to arouse us. He ends the letter but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen and amen. He wants to see these saints grow. This is his his dying wish. His dying desire is to stir Up the believers. And brothers and sisters, we know this more sure word of prophecy is just as relevant, just as inspired, just as sufficient in this day as in that day as it is July 15th, 2023. So this is for you today. This is for me today. So today again, it is it is the now what? It is the so we have we are partakers of his divine nature. We have the gift of faith. Uh, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We have been equipped with everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. Now what? Brother Andy was talking about faith, and faith should not just be in a dark corner somewhere. I love this this uh, this picture of faith, and I heard it from a man that I've never met, but I've come to respect by listening to his sermons, and his, his name is Peter Masters. Uh, Peter Masters Pastors, the same church that John Gill pastored at for 51 years and that Charles Spurgeon pastored at for 38 years, the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Uh, he has been there since 1970, and he's still preaching today there. Uh, but, but I love what, what Peter Master said about faith in this passage in particular. He said that imagine that you've been given this beautiful, magnificent house. It's a free gift that you've been given. So now, what do you do with a house? What do you do when you, when you buy a new house? You furnish that house. You decorate that house. You, you put up whatever decor you want to you get, whatever furniture you want to get. Well, I want to think of today's message as what are we going to furnish our faith with? This precious gift that we've been given, believer in Jesus Christ, how are we going to furnish that faith? That That is the message today here, at Peter's exhortation. I'm going to read the first seven uh, well, first eight verses of Second Peter 1, but we'll be focusing today uh, verses 5 through 7. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now here's the text for today. And beside this, giving of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would uh, sanctify us by thy truth, Lord, for thy word is truth. Lord, I pray that Jesus, would you increase and would I decrease, Lord. Please feed us from your word. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for the extra water today. (laughs) I was a cotton mouth last night. (laughs) That's right, yes. (laughs) How does he start this today, this exhortation? In this life of being stirred up, he says, giving all diligence. That literally means make every effort. Exhaust yourself. Brothers and sisters, it takes spiritual sweat, sometimes physical sweat, but it takes spiritual sweat to serve God as we ought, to furnish this house that we've been given. It takes spiritual sweat, Brother Bobby. We must exhaust ourselves in this life, in, in life and godliness. You know, I, I try to read regularly Proverbs, and I'm just reminded again just how much the Lord despises laziness. He will not tolerate lazy Christians. It takes work to serve the Lord. He's going to give seven ways in which we are to furnish furnish this house. And we're going to look at the first five today, and then I want to end with brotherly kindness and charity, hopefully tomorrow. But let's look at at how we are to give all diligence. What are we to give all diligence to? Remember, remember, this, this is coming from a man who knows he is about to die. He knows it. He said it in, in verse 14, Knowing this, that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Notice the urgency of Peter's language here. There's a real sense of urgency here. He wants to leave these people behind with something. Brothers and sisters, it takes work. What does the, the writer of Hebrews say? But without uh, Hebrews eleven six. 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he is the eternally existent God, that he is the triune God, and that he is a rewarder of them that... Just kind of seek him. No, diligently seek him. Paul would, would uh, exhort the, the Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Of course, we know that it's God that worketh in you, but we are to put forth some work. Work out what God has worked in. So, how are we to furnish this house? How are we to furnish this house? He, he starts off with virtue. We are to furnish this house of faith with virtue. And the word virtue is actually has the, the sense of moral courage. has a sense of courage and valor. And just being hearing that story of Sister Winnie, just I immediately thought of virtue right here. I mean, you talk about courage. You talk about really putting your, your money where your mouth is. Really putting boots to the ground. Yeah, if you join the church, if you become a Christian, you will be beaten within an inch of your life. Well, you know what? It was very similar in the days that Peter is writing. Uh, many uh, the the Christians here in this time were, yes, they were being physically persecuted, but they were also being persecuted in other ways. They were losing out on, on what we would call social credit. If, if, uh, if, if the, the followers of Christ, if the saints, if, if people knew that these are Christians, they are followers of this, of this Jesus they would, they would be marked men. So if you're trying to get a job, you're trying to support your family, don't hire him. He's a Christian. And so it's easy to say, yes, I want to be courageous. I want to be strong and courageous. But what about when you don't know how you're going to put food on your family's table? These are the people that Peter's writing to right now. It takes courage to serve the Lord. I was just reading with my children uh, this past week about, Dan- about uh, the, the three Hebrew boys. In Daniel, in the book of Daniel, you remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful young men in a, in a pagan land. They were there not by their choice, but they were there and they were faithful. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, he built that, this elaborate statue that everybody, when the music played, was supposed to bow down when this music played. It's easy in the the comfort of of this church here in the United States of America in 2023 to say, I would never bow down. No, if everybody else bows down, I'm going to stand. But what about when, I don't know how many people were there, but let's just say hundreds and thousands of people when that music plays are bowing down. What would you do? What would you do? If I'm honest, I can say only by the grace of God I would stand because I know I'm weak. I am weak. I like to be liked. I like for the people to like me. I don't want to lose that social credit. I love what they what they said. And, you know, the first time the music played and they stood, they stood. They did not bow down because we can only bow down to God. We only worship God. He only is worthy of our worship. But I love when Nebuchadnezzar found out and he was very upset he was filled with anger and he was going to give him another chance but you remember what they said I believe it is um... oh help me find the verse I thought I found it where uh... yes here it is verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3 uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter, meaning we, we don't have to we, we don't have to think and pray about it. We know the right thing to do. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. So they have confidence, but they even go a step further. But if it not be known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Even if God doesn't deliver us, even if we do get burned, we can't bow down. That's courage, brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, this could be easily applied today. We really don't have to to think too hard to apply this today. What about if 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 everybody at work or at school is wearing the rainbow sticker, are we going to be are we going to be willing to be the only one not to wear that rainbow sticker and be ostracized and maybe worse, maybe lose a job? What about praying in public? and I don't mean as the Pharisees prayed, but just pray, praying in public, praying over your meal at a restaurant or something like that, being willing to 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 maybe um, looked at what about when all of your friends at school or your, or your acquaintances are laughing at things and watching things and doing things that you know is contrary to God's word and contrary to what your parents would want you to do? Are you going to be willing maybe to lose out on friends? That's not fun. That's not fun at all. Again, I like to be liked. I don't want people to, to make fun of me or, or not to be my friend. But what about when we have to make a stand and have real courage this is how. This is what we must furnish. This precious gift of faith. Furnish this house is with moral courage, with virtue. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Proverbs would say. You know, we have to be willing. And I'm not saying I want to be. I want to be balanced about this. We, we don't need to just be looking to be an oddball. But we have to be willing, brothers and sisters, maybe to be looked at as an oddball, as as kind of weird. Because we're Christians. But I want you to know that being being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus Christ, there's so much freedom. You know, a life lived in sin is bondage. It is bondage. You are a slave to your passions. You're a slave to your lusts. But when you have been set free, I mentioned the verse last night, um, Behold, all things have become new. If, If any man is Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are made new. There is real freedom. You don't have to be a slave to your lust. You were made for so much more than that, brothers and sisters in Christ. Kids, I want you to listen. You were made for so much more. You were made to live a life of real freedom. You've been called to live the best life. And that is a life lived for the one who died for your sins, believer in Jesus Christ. So furnish your faith with virtue, with courage, well, he says, and this, this right here, again, I, I said it last night. This is a key, really, in this whole letter. He says, and to virtue knowledge. Knowledge. And when I mean knowledge, I mean, I mean spiritual knowledge. I mean knowledge found, wisdom found from God's word. And this is very important because this, this knowledge here is going to be courage that's rightly informed. Because we were talking about this on the, on the way here today. There are a lot of people that have courage. I mean, people who are willing to fly planes into buildings, and, and suicide bombers. I mean, it takes real courage. People who are willing to, to, uh, to, to, to fight in, in wars that are completely unjust. I, I was thinking we were talking about Hitler this morning for some reason, but thinking about people who followed Hitler, that took, that took courage. It did. But it was courage that was completely misplaced. It was courage that, that was that, that led to death that led and, and eternal death. It was completely misplaced courage. And so all of this, these furnishings, these furnishings of our faith must be rightly informed by God's word. Okay, so that's where the knowledge under consideration here is. And so furnish your faith, furnish this, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge. Temperance, temperance, that just means self-control, discipline. It takes discipline to serve God. It takes discipline to, it, it literally means, the word temperance literally means to hold oneself in. To hold oneself in. It's somebody who has mastered his desires and his passions. I think of, of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven, where he says, But I keep... Well, I'll read in, in verse uh, 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. You're supposed to play to win, right, Brother Nathan? Run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So he, he's likening this to a, to a runner. To an athlete, whenever, man, when we're striving for this, when, when we're, William, you look, man, you were hooping it up at camp, man, and, and, and you did a great job in soccer at camp this year. If you want to be a good basketball player, or a good soccer player, or a good runner, or whatever it is that your hobby is, you have to be temperate. You're going to have to say, if you want to be an athlete, you're going to have to say no to certain types of foods, maybe, not last night, you're going to, but you're going to have to say no to certain types of foods. You're going to have to get up before everybody else gets up. When everybody else is is going and having pizza on Friday night, you may have to stay stay late and get in the gym and get extra shots up or something like that. It takes discipline, but it's all for a corruptible crown. Those trophies collect dust it's fleeting. but we Paul would say an incorruptible crown, and so what what does he say? he says in verse 26, I therefore run not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that, that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. It takes discipline to serve God. It takes one, it, it takes one who, can, who can hold yourself in, who can be temperate, temperate. And that may mean it's the opposite, brothers and sisters, of self-gratification. It's the opposite of self-gratification. Because, you know, our default, my, my father has said this for many years, our default is sin. That's our nature still. Even, even when we have the new nature, Paul said it, when I would do good, evil is present with me. So it's our nature to sin. You, you want to know why? We, we like it. We enjoy it all too often. Even I know we've been uh, believers in Christ. We've been given a new nature, but man, it is it is such a fight. It is such a war. These lusts that war with our souls. It, it's that it's that violent language. We have to do battle. In Colossians three, it talks about mortifying, c- killing, putting to death our lusts, our passions, our sinful passions. You know, this would have been especially relevant to the audience. To, to whom Peter was writing because right now apparently antinomianism, a, 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 a heresy by the, by the name of antinomianism was, was creeping in. What that is, it basically abuses the precious gift of God's grace. It basically says, oh, well, since God's grace saved me, then I can live any way I want to live. I ha- it, it abuses the grace of God. Now listen, if that's our idea of grace... And I I say this humbly, we need to question whether a work of grace has really been done in our lives. If that is our idea of grace, and that was what was being um, perpetrated, that what was being infiltrated into some of the churches there was this abuse of grace. And so what it meant was, well, since I'm saved anyway because it's all of grace, nothing I can do, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to have my cake and eat it too. Not so, brothers and sisters in Christ. Peter would refute this because a saved person, a one who has been given this precious, this beautiful house, this precious gift of faith, is going to live differently. He's going to live differently. Does that mean a a sin-free life? Absolutely not. I know myself too much and you know yourself too much. But like I said earlier, it's going to lead to a life of constant repentance. Constant repentance and getting right with the Lord, and, and holding ourselves, bringing our bodies and our minds under subjection. Listen, every stage of life, this is imperative. Brother Bobby Poe, I know you would agree, at 93, 94 years old, we still have to have self-control, don't We still have to have discipline in this life. Well, what else do we furnish this house with? He says... Add to your faith or furnish, furnish your faith with virtue, that courage, courage, knowledge. Remember, this all has to be rightly informed in the lens of God's word. Add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance. Again, self-control, discipline, and to temperance, patience. Ouch. That's a hard one, isn't it? They're all difficult. This is a hard one endurance perseverance not swayed by the winds of culture i heard a man say that he said our problem today is that we read the word of god sometimes through the lens of culture but what we should do is read culture through the lens of the word of god right Right. we cannot be swayed like the unstable man in james like the double minded man, the unstable man, he's unstable in all his ways. No, we have been called, brothers and sisters, to a to a life that is firmly rooted in God's word. You remember in First in Corinthians fifteen, when Paul gives that beautiful account of the gospel, in this whole that's fifty eight verse chapter. Read First Corinthians fifteen often, by the way. That should be a part of our our regular uh, uh, reading. We should read that maybe once a month. Just see the beauty of the resurrection, the beauty of a risen Savior, the beauty of victory in Jesus. Then, how does he end it? How does he end it? He ends it with an exhortation Be ye steadfast. That, mean, that means I'm, I'm, I am se- I'm, I'm sedentary, I'm standing firm. Be steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the word in, in the Lord that's the life that is supposed to be lived by one who has received this gift of faith what does James say patience is difficult y'all it is difficult sometimes we don't want to pray for patience because because God'll give it to us right he's going to give it he's going to say all right be careful what you wish for but In all honesty, it's good for us. It's good for us. It is conforming us. Remember we talked about last night, part of being a partaker of the divine nature is that we are, yes, it will be fully realized in eternity, but even now, believer in Jesus Christ, you are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It is an ongoing process. You are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. and So things like patience are good for you and good for me. And in James chapter 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse or various temptations or testings. Really? Count it all joy? What are you talking about, James? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience worketh endurance but let patience have her perfect work or that complete work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing or lacking nothing james is calling the saints there to maturity in christ to conformity to christ and that's the same thing that peter is calling the saints to in second peter and what he is calling what the holy spirit is calling you and i to today Oh, there! I just don't want to embarrass her. But when I was getting on Facebook to to see the uh, the Africa thing, I read Sister Gigi's um, Facebook post about the anniversary of her father's death, and how uh, it was just beautiful. I, it was beautiful how she had to wear a black dress before the white dress, and what a beautiful picture of that is. And that Jesus Christ has covered us from our sins because we are in the blackness and darkness of our sins, but yet. One day it would be fully realized like, like Brother Rich, um, but even now, in a sense, we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and so his precious white robes of Jesus Christ. But during that time, there are some tests, right? There are some tests like losing loved ones, like um, sickness, like pain. There are some real tests, aren't they? But it's all a part of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's all a part, honestly, of being a partaker of his divine nature. You know, we say we we want to emulate Jesus Christ. And that's right. We need to be conformed. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Part of that is, brothers and sisters, Jesus taught us how to suffer, right? He knew how to suffer. He was tempted, tested, tempted at all points, like you and I. The only difference is, yet without sin, Jesus knew how to suffer. Jesus taught us how to suffer. Jesus taught us patience. Jesus taught us endurance. You know, I've been studying, Lord willing, in a couple months. Brother Isaac and I, and I think Brother Zach, too, are going to go over the, uh, the seven churches of Asia. From Revelation on Wednesday nights, and I 'm studying those, and you know um, John there will will commend the churches for what they're doing well, then he'll get on them he'll com- com- commendation then condemnation, he will com- commend them for what they do well, and then condemn them for what, what they're not doing well. Well, one thing, there's one thing that is a constant when he commends the churches, and it's their patience, their endurance, it's their endurance. Because there were many, there were churches there. I forget which church now um, that, that it's basically that the city was, was like Satan's city. Like, you know, you have Las Vegas is known as Sin City. When, I forget the, again, I forget which, which city Smyrna. this was. Smyrna, Smyrna, Smyrna. Smyrna. It, it, it was known as basically the city of Satan. And it was the same thing that, I, that I'm talking about here, that, that people would, that the saints there would, uh, they would get fired because they're a Christian. They would lose out on the benefits that that normal society would lose out on because they're a Christian. But yet John commends them for their patience, their endurance in these trials. So brothers and sisters, I want to exhort you. Peter is exhorting you and I to furnish this house, to furnish this this faith with endurance, with patience. And then finally, because I want to end tomorrow, Lord willing, with, The greatest of these is love, brotherly kindness, and charity. Finally, this this house must be furnished with godliness. Godliness. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, patience godliness this is ultimately the reason you were made we were not made for our own happiness we were not made to live how we want to live we were made we were you were an image bearer of god think about that you were made in the imago dei in the image of god Animals are amazing. God created them. But they're not like men and women. They don't have souls. You're an image bearer of God. And when God created you, He saw that it was good. And so it is God's will for your life to live in a way that glorifies your maker. You were called to godliness. You know, before we can live a life of godliness, we have to have a fresh view, a fresh reverence for the God that it is that we are supposed to be godly to. Oh, brothers and sisters, I, I don't, I I've thought about Isaiah sometimes. Um, I wonder what it must have been like when he had that view In Isaiah chapter 6, that experience, and then ultimately his calling to to be a, a prophet and a servant of the Lord. But you remember when he saw God, he saw the thrice holy God has trained, filled the temple. And he saw God for who he is. Holy, 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 the thrice holy God. And what did he do? What did he do? Shut my mouth. Let me be quiet. I am undone. I have a dirty mouth compared to holiness, compared to greatness. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I have seen the Holy One. Oh, brothers and sisters, may God give us, may God give me a fresh view of Him. He is holy. He is pure. He is other. He's not like us. He is just. That's why sin is such a big deal, brothers and sisters. That's why sin, kids, when when your parents discipline you because you disobeyed, that's why it's such a big deal, because God is a holy God. And this is true. It may sound irreverent, but it's true. He cannot still be God and wink at sin. He can't still be God and sweep sin under the rug or just look the other way. You know, Habakkuk talks about him. He says he is of purer eyes than to behold evil. He sin. Sin is disgusting to him. You know, my problem is, is that I, I'm, so, I'm, I'm too used to sin. I'm too used to my own sins. And you know, maybe, maybe the big sins, and they are evil, the, the big sins of our culture, yeah, those, those are disgusting. Oh man, that is, that is unholy. But what about the, the times where I am uh, impatient toward my wife or children? Or, or when I'm lazy when I should have been in the Word of God. Or when I've gossiped or been selfish or complained. Oh, surely, come on, everybody does it. No, may God show me and show us again. That is disgusting in His sight. Why? Because He is holy. Peter would say in First uh, Peter, in his first letter, when he's exhorting this, these scattered saints, these saints that are undergoing persecution, he's exhorting them to holiness. He says in First in Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he says, "...wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy. He is other. He is set apart. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation just simply means behavior, lifestyle, conduct. Be ye holy. Be ye set apart. Why? For it is written... Because it is written, and he would, he's quoting from Leviticus, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Oh, that God would give us a fresh view of His holiness and a fresh hatred of sin. And so that as we furnish this house of faith, this beautiful, precious gift that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we, it would it would cause us, it would call us to live a life of godliness, to live a life of sanctification, to live a life of being set apart. Talking about the, the uh, imagery of the athlete in, in discipline and self-control. Well, Paul would tell Timothy, exercise thyself, strain for it, work out this, get in the gym for this, as it were, He would say, Exercise thyself unto godliness. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? We've been equipped. How are we going to do that if we are not in a a steady diet of God's Word? If we are not living a life that is communing with God in prayer? We just spent a whole week talking about the God who hears, learning how to pray. We're not going to be able to furnish this house if we don't have the equipment, as it were. But we do, brothers and sisters. We have to be in God's word. We have to be communing with him in prayer. We have to to be under the gospel, be in community. There's a a poem by a man named John Dunn, and, and the title of it is enough for me. No man is an island. No man is an island. You are called to community in this life. You know, pastors, ministers, elders, I've just ordained in January, less than a year, and um, before my ordination, I preached. Three or four, two or three messages on the qualifications of a minister found in First Timothy, the ones in First 1 Timothy three. And I tell you what, one thing that just what sobered me up, I'll tell you that, is that there are fifteen qualifications that Paul gives under inspiration of Holy Spirit. How many of them have to do with giftedness? Being apt to teach. Fourteen of those qualifications have to do with character, have to do with personal, with godliness, with integrity. Now, that's not just for ministers, believer in Jesus Christ. That's for you as well, and that's for for all of us as well. You know, in this life of godliness, furnishing this house of faith with godliness, as we as we pray, as we as we. Um, or as we grieve at the state of our nation, as we grieve at some of the decisions that are being made in government. You know, if we are called to, Paul would call Timothy and, and the saints there to pray for our leaders there in 1 Timothy 2. But what is, what is the purpose of praying for them? Is the purpose so I can go back to just chilling and living like I want to live? No. So that we can live in all what? Godliness? and honesty or or dignity. So furnish this house, brothers and sisters. May we furnish this, this house of faith that we've been given. And may we exhaust ourselves in this. Give all diligence for this, brothers and sisters. It is worth it. And it is not an option. But I want to close in this way. Some of you, under the sound of my voice, and, and really all of us, if we're honest, may be thinking, you know, I've messed up. I have not been disciplined. I have not had uh, uh, the, the godly courage. I did slip up. Maybe I, I did wear that sticker because man, I, I just I don't want to be ostracized. I need this job. And I'm natu- I'm naturally timid. I'm-, I'm a coward by nature. I just I don't know. I, I can't do this, and and I don't think God's going to forgive me. What better example of redemption and forgiveness than the one who wrote this? Though all the world forsake you, I won't. Is what Peter said. I'll never leave you, Jesus. He was the one who got the sword out and cut off Malchus's ear, aiming for his head, most likely. You talk about courage. But then, as Jesus prophesied, he denied our Lord. Not once. Not twice, but three times. I don't even know the man cursing and swearing. So you must think, it's, it's up for him. Big, big talk, a lot of big talk, and then when, when it gets to where the rubber meets the road, you bail. So it must have been over with for Peter, right? Wrong, as we know. Why? Because when Jesus prophesied, to Peter of what would happen. He said, Satan desired to sift you as wheat. That's scary. You know, Satan is a, is a roaring lion. He's a, he seeks to devour. He wants to devour you. And so, so Satan desires to sift you as wheat, Peter. And Peter, you're going to deny me But I have prayed for thee. You think the father enjoys hearing the prayers of his son, his perfect son? But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So I know you have failed, I know I have failed. I know that maybe you're here today and, and you're in the middle of that. Maybe, maybe you have, in in some ways, practically denied the Lord. Take heart. Repent. Repent. Cry out to God, the God whose mercy endureth forever, who never runs out of mercy. Repent. But then take heart. The same God that forgave Peter allowed Peter to write these letters and then allowed Peter to be able to die in the Lord's service. Don't we serve an amazing God? But, like I said last night, we got to get to work. We got to get to work. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that, that you forgive. You forgave Peter. You bless Peter to live to write this, under under divine inspiration. But Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone here to give diligence. God, we've been given a precious gift. Bless us to give all diligence in your service. There may be some who 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 we some have more struggles than others. Maybe some are prone to a lack of discipline, or some are, are prone to timidity, or, or whatever. Lord. You know what we need, so Lord, give it to us, please, where we need virtue and temperance, right knowledge, knowledge that's rightly informed. And Lord, bless us to see you in a big way, freshly, and that we would live a life of godliness, that we would be holy as you were holy. Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, Jesus, amen.